Welcome to Walking in Faith, a weekly podcast dedicated to examining the Bible to help lifelong seekers of the kingdom of God expand their faith and understanding by exploring God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Rob Currington as he shares this week's message. Good morning once again, OVBC family and friends, and thank you for joining us as we streamline forward this Sunday. We will be coming back together and meeting on the lawn next week. But just with all the things going on, it was just quicker and better just to do it this way. So thank you for being flexible, especially as we continue our journey through the Luke's gospel. We are on message number 30 for 30 weeks or so. We've been on Luke and we've now reached Luke chapter 5. So grab your Bible in Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 15 through 16 and a message titled strategic withdrawal. Now, in last week's narrative, Jesus encountered a man full of leprosy. And that served as an example of Jesus' divine healing power and his compassion towards those that were suffering and in pain. The man's plea and demeanor for cleaning, cleaning, for cleaning and for healing is similar to our need to be cleansed from our sin. And also we saw that just as Jesus is willing and able to heal this man of his uncleanness, he desires to do the same for us. So let me ask you as we begin this morning, what is your source of strength when things get difficult, where the pressure becomes overbearing? Where do you go to find solace or peace and quiet? In today's passage, you read that Jesus would often get away, get away alone so that he could commune with his father. With that, let's look at Luke chapter 5 and read with me verses 15 through 16. Luke writes, but now even more, the report about him went abroad And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he, Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. With that, let's pray ourselves. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you and to open up your word. And even though we're just looking at two uh, simple verses today, there's much truth to be found here of how we should come to you for prayer. I thank you, Lord, that we're still able to meet. Lord, we know that this is a difficult time. Lord, I know that uh, uh, many people are divided. There's disunity. But Father, we pray that within your church, within those who call you Father, between brothers and sisters in Christ, that there would be a unity. Let us pray for the peace of our city, for our nation, a Lord among our neighbors and our families and our friends. And this begins as we just submit and give ourselves to you. So as we take this time now, I pray that you open up our minds and hearts and Lord, direct our thoughts towards you that we may respond to the Holy Spirit's work. We thank you for this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Though Luke does not point this out in this narrative, Mark in his gospel writes that the leopard's disobedience from last week causes a disruption in Jesus' plan. You will recall that after healing of the man of his leprosy, Jesus had charged the man not to tell anyone, but to go to present himself to the priest as the law of Moses dictates and to be declared clean. Again, the priest couldn't only declare the man cleaned. Only Jesus can truly make him clean. But instead of doing so, instead of following what Jesus told him to do, Mark records that the man went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. Now, of course, this was not the man's intention. And we can surely sympathize with him at his exuberance and excitement over his changed position of a healthy body and his new ability now to rejoin society. It led him to tell everyone what had happened to him. This is understandable. 
However, Jesus is not able to continue his ministry, at least for the moment, as the crowds force Jesus out into desolate places. The publicity of Jesus' miracles would have hindered his main mission and divert public attention from his message, which was the main thing that he was sent to do, as we saw several weeks ago. It was to present the kingdom. Ironically, Jesus winds up trading places with the leopard as Jesus is now driven into the wilderness where the leopard live and the leopard is now into the cities. This has actually happened a lot to Jesus many times after healing the sick or the lame, the blind and casting out demons. He would find himself overwhelmed with people clamoring for his attention and miracle working power. But this time Luke writes that the pressure became even more intense that Jesus had to withdraw from his public ministry of teaching to seek out a quiet place to refresh his spirit, to re-energize his body and regather his thoughts. As we read through the life of Jesus, seeking solace in prayer was the manner he used to accomplish these tasks. Now, compared to other events in Luke's narrative, this episode, this, this going into the desert or to the wilderness is not thrilling. It does not capture any miraculous moments. It does not decipher any important doctrines of God. But it does serve, these two verses do, do serve to give us insight into the quiet, silent moments of Jesus' life and ministry. You see, prayer was a regular practice of Jesus. And it served as a source of power from the Holy Spirit. It was where he would get instruction from the Father and refreshment for his mind and body. One commentary notes that prayer was the essence of Jesus' relationship with the Father. He prayed for himself and his mission, and he continues to pray for all the believers. The Dictionary Bible of Bible Themes notes that Jesus prayed regularly and alone. As we work through the Gospels, you'll see that this was a regular method for Jesus. According to the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, some of the prayers offered by Jesus that we find in Scripture include the high priestly prayer found in John chapter 17 where he prays for those of his children. The prayer in Gethsemane for strength, you may recall that, and the three prayers on the cross, including many others that are recorded in Scripture. The characteristics of Jesus' prayer include his communion with the Father, his submission to the Father, I want to do your will, and also an opportunity for him to give praise and thanks to his Father. Jesus' life and ministry were marked with the habit of prayer. In addition, he taught his disciples how to pray. He modeled for them how to pray, and he warned them to watch and pray at the Garden of Gethsemane. One theologian notes, writes that the, even the ministry of Christ, the only perfect ministry this world has ever known, was consecrated by prayer. A servant is not greater than his master, he writes, so we must walk in his steps. We too must watch and pray. And with that, we just want to continue to do that. This is something that God has called us to do, is to emulate, to be like Jesus. And this is exceptionally good advice to watch and pray. Prayer should be a regular habit of grace that we should develop and nourish in our lives. Prayer is a wonderful gift that the Trinity has given us, a gift that should be treasured and used. Scripture calls us to pray without ceasing, to pray earnestly and to pray for one another. Prayer can be simply defined as talking with God. 
We are to pray to God so that we may come to know him more, to lay our requests before him, and to find direction for our daily lives. Now, there's one warning I must give at this point. And when we say prayer is simply talking with God, or you might have heard conversation with God, we do not pray. Here's the warning. We do not pray waiting or expecting God to talk back to us through our prayers. The writer of Hebrews points out that long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And how do we know how he has spoken to us through his son? It's through the words that are captured through the gospel in the New Testament letters. It is true that God spoken, has spoken to his people through many different and interesting miraculous ways in the past. Sometimes audibly, sometimes through a burning bush, rushing winds, and even through a donkey. However, we are not called to expect or to seek God to do so today. We are not to pray and expect God to speak to us in some type of way in our spirit or in our mind or in our heart. The apostle Peter in his second letter, letter confirms this. He says, we have a prophetic word more fully, fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a light or in a dark place. What is he speaking of? He's speaking of the words of Christ. He says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that the prophecy of Scripture comes, uh, the, the, no, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along, along by the Holy Spirit. So when you and I pray, we pray and then we search God's word for his answer to us, for that conversation. In that passage, he is contrasting the rich, written scripture as greater than even when they heard Yahweh speak on the mount. When Jesus was transfigured uh, before them along with Moses and Elijah and the father spoke, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. It says the word of God is actually more fully confirmed than that audible voice of Yahweh. You see, prayer involves the children of God pouring out their heart to the Trinity, followed by reading and meditating and searching scripture. Now, there's some other common misconceptions about prayer that people have. One believe, believe prayer is a, like a magical wand. They think of it as a mythical device for superstition. God is like my personal genie. Second, prayer is a first aid kit or a fire alarm used only in emergencies. Or prayer is a last resort. We say, has it come to that? I, I guess I have to pray about it. Or prayer is a tug of war. And I think this is probably the most common one, especially among those who would profess to be Christians. It's a game played with God to convince him to do something nice for me. Give him my best sales pitch. Or prayer is a duty. I should pray more as if any of us are in danger of praying too much. Instead, prayer is a wonderful gift of a loving God to his children. It's a gift of grace and mercy that serves to glorify God and is for our good. A. Craig Troxell in his book, With All Your Heart, and I would recommend you uh, just Google that, With All Your Heart. He writes this in his book. Scripture warns us to be wise about the world and its ability to ensnare the unsuspecting. 
And so we watch and pray. Christ taught us to pray, lead us not in temptation. But he also taught us, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. This is not an advice. It is a command. He goes on to write that we are told to pray on all sorts of occasions with all kinds of prayers, prayers in which we admit our neediness to God, where we acknowledge our ability to stand firm in our faith and that we're going to be trusting to equip us with the right mindset, affections and determinations to pray and showing our our, our nurture or to, or to submit to God, to encourage our resistance to the devil and as intercession where we sympathize for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Prayer is a tool that God has given us to accomplish these many tasks. In addition, the writer, he remarks that we need prayers for wisdom and humility, for courage, for faithfulness, for patience, for effectiveness, boldness and alertness and love. You see, the battles that rage around us and inside us are greater than ourselves. And we must recognize that. I think there's a, this is off note, so I may get this wrong, is there's that phrase that God will not give us more than we can handle. And I'm here to tell you that is untrue. He will give you more than you can handle. Because greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. But prayer is also our pipeline to the one who is greater than all. And so prayer must be a regular habit that you and I have and nourish and use in our life. Like Christ, we need a strategic withdrawal. We make decisions many times under pressure, sometimes with not all the information. And we just make decisions and we wonder, why is not God blessing what we're doing? Instead of find out, what is God blessing? And let's get involved in that. Jared Wilson in his imperfect disciple, writes that since prayer is acknowledge helplessness. You see, that's what prayer really is. Prayer is saying, Lord, I don't have the answers. I don't know what to do or where to go. I need you. That's what prayer essentially does. He writes, since prayer is acknowledge helplessness, Spilling out our guts, he writes. The more we pray, the more we are abiding in the strength of God alone. So do you want more God's strength, more of God's grace? Then prayer is how you and I receive that. God has ordained that prayer would be one of the most important spiritual disciplines that a Christian must exercise and excel in to grow in maturity and confidence. It is through prayer that we find strength and comfort and confidence to continue in the faith, especially during trying difficult times. But still the question remains, how do we pray with such confidence as Jesus did? How do we become more effective in our prayer? And I know that's where me personally, that's where I am, is how do I become more effective in my prayers? Well, the disciples had the same issue. After Jesus told them now how not to pray, the disciples then said, teach us then how to pray. And in Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 6, Jesus gave them these instructions. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Lord's Prayer 
It's God's answer to how to communicate with him in an effective, powerful way. Now, this is a prayer that many people have memorized. It's said in many churches and many different types of settings. And it is a prayer that we can take those words and pray them, but not in a remote way in which we're not even thinking. But it's more than just the words. It's it's what's happening in the words. In other words, as we look at verse 9, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What you're doing is you're acknowledging the Father's character. Many times our prayer starts with, Lord, I'm in trouble. I have a problem. Fix it. Or I want this or I need this. Would you give this to me? But I believe the best way to pray is how Jesus teaches us to. It's acknowledge the Father. Acknowledge his character. Uh, Submit to him. Show who you are speaking to. Many times we come to the Father in prayer as someone who's demanding something. Instead, we ought to come with hat in hand, so to speak. Bow our heads and our eyes and say, Lord, you are just a wonderful Father. Hallowed be thy name. I come to worship you. I recognize who you are. But then as we go into verse 10, he goes, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Not only do we acknowledge the Father's character, but now we're advancing the Father's kingdom, not our own. How many times have you prayed that? Father, I need this, but if it's your will, let it be done. And let me accept it. I think many times that you and I need to do, we're wondering, why hasn't God given me this? Why hasn't God blessed me with that? Why doesn't God do this in my life? Well, God's kingdom is the one that's advancing. And what it is, and you and I, many times we find ourselves on the opposite end of the kingdom of God. As God's kingdom is advancing one way, we find ourselves pushing against it. Now that, as we go back to verse 11, we need to accept the Father's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, let's receive what God gives us with thanksgiving, no matter what it is. We live in a world today in which envy and jealousy uh, and covetousness is so high and so rampant. We don't even see it in our own lives. But have you accepted the things that God has given you? Have you given thanks for that old clunk of a car? Maybe that house that isn't the greatest. Maybe the job in which you just don't like going to every day, but yet God has provided that. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you accept the Father's provision for you? As we go to verse 12, let's utilize the Father's pardon. Forgive us our debts and also forgive our debtors. Yeah, we want forgiveness, but we need to be quick to forgive as well. Scripture even tells us, if you forgive, God forgives you. If you withhold forgiveness, God will not forgive you. Now that's packed, and we're not going to unpack that here today. But we need to be quick to forgive. And that's one of the things that we look in this world today, is people are not willing to forgive. We want to hold on to things that happened hundreds of years before our time, and we want to bring that resentment, that bitterness, into today's society. And we never uh, offer forgiveness. We hold on to debts and grudges forever, knowing that they'll never be able to pay off that debt that we have. We need to recognize, just as God has forgiven us, we are to be quick to forgive, seek to forgive. Then 13a, it says, and lead us not in temptation. I I just call this, utilize the Father's GPS. 
is recognize where you are in your life and say, Father, here's a problem in my life. Lead me not in temptation. This recognizes that God is sovereign over our steps, over our days and our hours and our life, that all things come because of him. And so it's just setting our bearings and saying, Here where I, here's where I am in my life. Please clear the steps for me. Let me see any rocks. Let me see any, any cliffs that are coming up. Anything that might hinder my steps. The steps of a good man, it says in Proverbs, are ordered by the Lord. He gives us his word as a lamp into our feet, right? And a light unto our path. And so you and I must recognize that prayer is a way in which we come and say, Lord, lead us down to temptation. Order my steps. Let me walk in a way that is worthy as you called us to do, especially redeeming the day, the time, the days, for they are evil. Then lastly, you and I need to come to prayer to utilize the Father's protective gear. Deliver us from evil. It should be an early morning uh, before we get out of bed type of prayer. Father, deliver us from evil. Protect my life. Help me to put on the armor correctly. Help me to resist Satan and the devil. Help me to be, give forgiveness. So as you and I come, as we need to communicate with him in an effective, powerful way, and Jesus has taught us to do that. Let me ask you, have you struggled with praying? I'm sure you have. Are there times that you don't feel like you pray enough? We've all been there. Do you ever feel guilty about your prayer life? I think we'd all would raise both hands. We don't feel like we pray enough. We don't feel like it's effective enough. Are you ever at a loss at what to say? Your mind just goes blank or it just starts going all over the place. I know, that's me. Why? Because we don't do a strategic withdrawal. We don't get away from it all. Now, I'm one who says, yeah, popcorn, popcorn prayers are, are great. You know, pray without ceasing. So, so as we're driving, we're going through life, we're saying these prayers, we're trying to communicate to God, right? But I think there needs to be a time where we need a strategic withdrawal as well. If Jesus became overwhelmed in his humanity and many times had to withdraw for refreshing, for times of strength, then how much more do you and I need that? But with Netflix and Hulu and everything else in the background and Twitter and Facebook, with our phones and everything that we're doing, we don't want any silence. We don't want any quiet time. We have a, a difficult time with any type of silence or getting away. Sometimes we need to unplug from all things and just let nature run its course and just fall down and take a strategic withdrawal into prayer. Now, will that be as effective and as powerful and as long as Christ? No, obviously not. Each of us will, will do that better, though, the more that we do it, the more that we make it a habit, something that you and I must develop. So I want to encourage you. Are you doing that today? In, in, in your week, in your day, is there a time where you say, I'm going to get away from all things, put the phone away, shut it off, turn the TV off, and I'm just going to pray? I think we need to do that. Whether it's using the Lord's Prayer in this type of way, that's a good tool to use. And there's many others. It's picking up Scripture and praying Scripture. One of the things I enjoy is that in our worship team, we're trying more and more to take Scripture and sing Scripture. I think God uh, is honored when we sing His words back to Him. That's why we have a whole Psalms. That's, that's a book of prayer. 
Psalms that we, can, that we can say and pray when we're tired, when we're lonely, when we're hurt, when we're bitter, when we're afraid, when we're rejoicing. The Psalms captures that for us in words that are better than our own. I want to share with you just three simple ways how you can pray today, how you can make a strategic withdrawal. These are not complicated. They're very easy. The first one is with simplicity. Many times we make prayer much more difficult and much more, uh, 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 I can't think of the word at this point, but more, more difficult than it needs to be. We pray with simplicity. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, before teaching his disciples how to pray here in this passage, Jesus warns them how not to pray. He says that when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners that they may be truly seen by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received the rewards. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, this is where I wanted to get to. Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. I think the simplest prayer is, Father, please help me. With simplicity. In Psalms chapter 50, God the Almighty promises, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. There's no grammar test. There's no punctuation test. He just wants to hear from you. And many times scripture does tell us that the Holy Spirit can pray for us. So pray with simplicity. Understand that Jesus is going to advocate for us. And so we have one who has all the words and all the power to help lift our prayers to the Father. So pray with simplicity. Just make it your words, not someone else's. Number two, pray with perseverance. In the parable of the persistent widow that's found in Luke chapter 18 Jesus taught them a parable to the effect that they always ought to pray and not lose heart. He says in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. So he was, a, he was his own man. He didn't care what anyone thought. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. He doesn't give us what the details are, but obviously it seems like this woman was, was, was a defendant, someone who had been offended, and she's asking for justice. And for a while, the judge refused. But afterward, he said to him, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down from her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speeding. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Many times we pray once or twice and then we end. But he wants us to be persistent, to persevere. And that perseverance comes, Lord, not just take this away. And he may answer just as he did to Paul, no. But his answer is still there. My grace is sufficient for thee. Just as he says in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the, the day has enough trouble. Just worry about today. Lord, can you help me this day? Can you help me in this next hour? Can you help me through this next shift? You and I need to be 
persevering in our prayer. And then thirdly and lastly that I want to talk about this morning is we need to pray with faith, trusting that the Father hears us, that he desires to give us and supply our needs. Ask, he says, and you will receive. The problem is, is typically we're asking either without faith or we're asking for the wrong things. Samuel Chadwick is a pastor. He writes, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toils and mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. The best time for prayer isn't found. Listen to this. The best time for prayer isn't found. It's made. The average Christian spends very little time in prayer, he writes, and then wonders why he or she has no faith and experience no power. He goes on, if we are too busy to pray, we are too busy to experience the power of God in ministry. Jesus knew how much time he had. He had three short years to spread the kingdom of God. But yet he took time from that busy schedule, from those people who truly wanted and needed healing. He would take time to withdraw from them to pray, to seek solace. Samuel Chadwick continues, we can be very busy but not necessarily productive because we lack faith. In other words, we do things outside of Christ. We don't truly act in trust. One of the main reasons we lack faith is because we do not pray. Consistent prayer builds consistent faith. In closing, let us remember that praying is an act of identity. We're coming as children, needy children, to a loving father. So it sets us pretty quickly who our identity is. Instead of coming and saying, I demand that you give me this like a petulant child, we come to him in submission. It's an act of worship and we're lifting him up, humbling ourselves. It is also, again, as an act of submission, recognizing that he is God and we are not. But it's also personal and corporate. So we need times of strategic withdrawal in which we are praying individually, but also there's times of corporate prayer where it's a husband and a wife, a, a family, it's, it's a group of people who are meeting together, whether in a small group or even corporately as we do when we meet together in person where we have a pastor's prayer and we corporately come together or during some of our, our prayer concerts where we come together as a church and pray. It's both personal and corporate. We need both types of prayer as children of God to encourage us, to strengthen us, and to prepare our hearts for the ministry that God has given us. We are called to rely on God to simply to supply all of our needs through prayer. I want to ask you, would you commit this morning to making prayer a priority in your life? Would you make the time for a strategic withdrawal in your life? Until you do, you will not see the power of God that he can give you to accomplish your days. Are you ready to utilize the Father's forgiveness, this guidance, and this protection? If not, would you do so this morning? Let's take a moment just to pause, to consider these words, and would you lift up a prayer and respond to God's work in our lives? Father, 
Thank you for this gift of prayer. And we know this is one of those disciplines that many times, Father, we have not worked on. It is not necessarily a habit we have. We, we do it if we need to, if it's at the last moment, and maybe it's just a simple, quick put a, a request for help. And many times we'll say, would you pray for this? And we say it, but then we never go on to do so. Let us see the importance of prayer. Let us see the wonderful gift that it is. And Father, we pray that you would help us as we develop that. Let your spirit show us how to do so. Give us a burden, compel us to make that time to pray. And Lord, may we see the wonderful power that comes through Christians, through children of God, who are our praying people. Thank you for this wonderful gift. In your name we pray. Amen. Next week, we will be meeting out on the front lawn, so I want to encourage you to be with us. Our time is going to be at 10 o'clock. The Spanish congregation is going to be meeting at 11.30, so there is a little bit of time difference. So we will be meeting at 10 o'clock. You can park in your regular place, uh, bring a blanket or a lawn chair, something that uh, can go on the lawn, and just then make your way down the sidewalk to our front, and you'll see where our shelter is. And so we'll be meeting each Sunday until we're able to come back inside. We will be meeting out on the front lawn at 10 o'clock. We're looking forward to seeing you there. God bless. Thank you for joining us this morning. We hope you have enjoyed this week's message. We encourage you to share it with others. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at info at orangevilla.org. Be sure and join us for next week's message by subscribing to this podcast. To learn more about our ministry, submit prayer requests, or to find ways you can help share the gospel, visit us online at orangevilla.org. Till next time, we hope the grace and peace of God's love be ever present in your life.